Welcome to the Go All In Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Bruss, and today on the show, we have Anne McEwen from 2empower.co. Anne's an expert at helping women to level up into leadership roles, define their purpose, and she helps them to reach the next level in their lives. If you're looking for a competitive edge in your career and in life, I know you're going to absolutely love today's show. Let's get started. Well, good day, everyone. I trust that you're all doing really well and the craziness of this pandemic is all under control in your part of the world. Here in Australia, things are slowly getting back to normal, although I'm not sure that it's ever really going to go back to normal properly for a little while yet. Either way, things have relaxed a little bit here in Sydney, which is good news. And there's stuff that's starting to open up and business is kind of getting back to some sort of normal state, which is a good thing. We're making progress, which is good. I've got a big announcement on today's podcast. After a whole a lot of work and toil in the last month or so, I finally finished and launched my masterclass. It's called Master Your Mind and Go All In. Inside the masterclass, you'll find the seven steps to master your mind and go all in. These are the same seven steps that I use myself. Uh, each and every day. And it's what I teach my clients as well. And that helps them to close the gap from where they are to where they want to be. If you're interested in finding out some more, you can visit goallin.com.au forward slash masterclass. And you can use the coupon code 30OFF, that's 30OFF, for a nice little 30% discount as I launch the program there as well. So pop on over to goallin.com.au forward slash masterclass to find out some more today. Okay, today on the show, we have Anne McEwen from 2empower.co. Anne works closely with women and she empowers them in all aspects of business and life. And she equips her clients and the women that are in her big community to step up, speak up, and to show up with confidence, all without compromising their treasured values or feeling guilty in the process of doing that. Now, if this is your first time here at the Goal In Show, welcome. It's great to have you here. And if you're back for more, welcome back. We love our repeat offenders here at the Goal In Podcast. Before we get into the show today, just take a little peek at your phone and hit that subscribe button on the app that you're listening in on. And if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll on down and hit the subscribe button there as well. And don't forget to ring the bell. That way you'll always have some motivation and a little bit of Goal In Love right there in your pocket. Lastly, if you like what you hear today, please share this episode with your friends and family. Anne has a really important message on today's show. And if we could just help one or two people to break through their barriers and get unstuck, then we would have done our job here at the Go All In podcast. All righty, let's get into this. As you'll hear, Anne came to Australia just a dozen or so years ago. And her story of immigrating here to Australia, building a life with her husband and her daughters is the quintessential Australian dream. After a nest that was quickly becoming empty of kids who were off to uni and a husband who was traveling for work, Anne decided to start her own business at the age of 50. And she freely admits that it was a really intimidating and difficult beginning. But that was completely negated by the discovery of her true purpose, and that is helping other women just like herself. I know you're absolutely going to love today's podcast. If you're looking for some female empowerment, and even if you're a guy listening to this, you're going to love Anne's wisdom and what she's got to offer here in her Go All In story. Please help me in welcoming Anne McEwen. Anne McEwen, welcome to the Go All In podcast. It's great to have you here. 
Hi, good morning. Thanks very much for inviting me. I'm excited. Well, we've talked a, a fair bit over the last couple of weeks and we're finally here at the Go All In show, which is the one I've been looking forward to the most, actually, because you've got a great story. But before we get into that today, let's get to know you a little bit. Why don't you tell the listeners and the viewers a little bit about you? Where are you from and where's that funny accent from? Come on. <laughs> You're the one with the funny accent, not me. <laughs> apparently, apparently. I've done a bunch of American interviews in the last week and they all say, God damn, you've got a funny accent down there. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good American accent, actually. Yeah, so like I'm originally from Glasgow in Scotland and have moved around and lived in different parts of the world and finally settled in Sydney in Australia, which we absolutely love. Um, and I set up my own coaching business. Uh, I work mainly with women because I, as a business owner, was coming up against all my own struggles and had to come up with ways of... Um, breaking through and overcoming um, the hurdles and I use NLP techniques and um, I've been in coaching my whole life but I've never run my own company before so I had lots of um, limiting beliefs around that and now it's a roaring success and so I love showing other women how to my slogan is step up speak up and show up with confidence in life and business very nice very nice and what's the actual business called if people wanted to find out more about that Oh, thanks. It's 2empower.co and it's a number two and a capital M. Mm. And the two M's are my daughters, Maris and Megan. Um, and Because I, I want to be a good role model for them. And it was a play on the word 2empower. Mm -hmm. How's that role model thing working for you? Does it work or do you ever do, do you behave in a way sometimes where you go, I wish my behavior had been better? I know I do that. I'm not oh, a great yeah. role model sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But what it's really helped us do is for them to see that even I didn't start this till I was in my fifties and that even at this stage in life, when you're meant to be an adult and know everything and have it all together, we don't. Um, and, and when I'm struggling with technology or client cancels or that I get disappointments and struggles too and I think when people are young they think it's they're the only one that life's tough for and they're at university learning and I said to them well you know this is a university of business owning for me I'm, I'm learning too and so it's good when I when I have, actually they start coaching me it's quite funny they <laughs> they repeat to me what I've told them then and then I get really annoyed with them I'm like don't try and coach me <laughs> <laughs> the coach is always the most uncoachable one that's true. I think that's really true. <laughs> oh, too funny. And, and you said you've been in coaching your whole life, just back through corporate roles and whatnot back in, in Europe when you lived back there, or what, what do you mean by that? Yes, a mix, actually. So I started off with BP Oil in the UK, and I was a sales coach working with teams. And what I learned very quickly through that was that it wasn't the product that made a good salesperson. It was their beliefs and their mindset around the selling process. And that sent me down the whole path of understanding how the mind works and, and human behavior, how we react to things, our emotional response. And when my kids were born, though, I found it really hard to, as I became a stay-at-home mom, and I found it really hard to keep up that level of um, commitment to work. So I got a job working in a local high school with kids who were very bright but not doing well at school, and mainly because they didn't have a purpose, they didn't have a vision, um, and they didn't have focus. And so it was helping those kids to see if you put the effort in now at high school, you can really succeed well in life. And then, and I've studied NLP, positive psychology. I've been in this field working on myself for years. Um, and then, as I said, when I hit 50, my kids became more independent. And I thought, you know, how can I still use my skills, but without the pressure of corporate 
and I wanted a change from working in education. I really wanted to work for myself um, and so set up my business. Very nice. Very nice. Good stuff. Good stuff. Great to hear. Why, why, do, you think that, uh, why do you think that children are not taught these important life skills, There's those types of important communication skills and whatnot? I've just I've spent the last couple of weeks building out my masterclass and part of the process that I took myself through is if you ever if you ever tried to write a book, and I know that you've written a book, um, but for the people out there that have, have never tried that, it's very hard because you get blocked. And I wasn't trying to write a book. I was trying to write scripts for videos for a masterclass. And what I worked out was a process for myself where I would go away and I'd watch. It was really, um, it felt like I was kind of paying myself to watch TED Talks. But it struck me that I would go away and part of my process would be, I would research the topic that I was going to that I was going to write about for my masterclass, and then I would dot point all of the really good things that I was listening to, and then I would I would write my version of that. I'd put it together, turn it into a script, read it out aloud, and back and forth. And what it did is it, it helped me to maintain momentum about whatever it is that I was doing. And in that process, I couldn't help but I couldn't help but think along the way that there's so much information out there, and there's so many incredible professional, skillful people with such incredible skills that we should all know about. And it sort of, it kind of brought it back to center for me. And it sort of made me wonder like, why is, why aren't these things, why aren't these important communication skills part of a curriculum at school? What, why do you think that is? Look, I, I think teachers are under pressure to get results with the standard. I think if something like that's going to change, it really has to change from the top. And a class of 30 kids, I mean, I've got two and I find it hard to control them sometimes. <laughs> and they're really, adults. <laughs> yeah, and they're adults. I take my, my hat off to teachers because I think it's a tough role. Um, and one of the things is everybody comes in with their own view of life, even at the age of five. They all come in with their own emotions and their own baggage and their own parental influence and whatever so it's probably quite a big task I think if parents could do it and um, if it could start at home and then the teachers could pick up on it, it's almost like you know some kids can write their name before they go to school yeah. um, at that level but what tends to happen is we build all these bad habits and negative emotional reactions to things because we don't understand how the unconscious mind is ruling our life and then when we get into adulthood, we've got all these patterns that are so embedded that it takes us years to undo them and create fresh patterns. Um, and so it, it would be, I love what you've suggested, because if we could get kids when they're like three, four, five, and they're having a meltdown and we can, you know, instead of getting angry and shaking them or locking them in the naughty corner, or, you know, if we could say, you know, it's all right to feel like that. But you've got two choices. You can either continue to hurt yourself and feel like that, or you can say, why am I feeling like this and work through it in a more logical fashion. And then when we get to adulthood, we'd be able to do that. And I think we'd be a lot more understanding of one another as well. Because yeah. a lot of the time we react to somebody's emotions. Mm. Mm. And how many times do you have a disagreement and afterwards you say, oh, so sorry, I don't even know why I said that, or I don't know where that came from, or... Well, it was a deeply embedded reaction, emotional reaction. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? You know, one of the one of the uh, standouts as as I'm listening to you talk there of the all the I must have listened to probably hundred TED talks as I was creating the masterclass. You know, I just think there's no such thing as an original idea, right? You just gotta 
you've got your version of something and you pull everybody else's research into it and everybody else's skill set. But there was a YouTube thumbnail. And if you ever you looked in YouTube at TED Talks at down the right hand side, there's all the different flavors of them, right? And there's a YouTube thumbnail of a guy on stage and you can see the photo of him for the, for the listeners. Uh, he's on stage and it's sort of on his left-hand side and he's pointing at his temples and he's leaning forward and his body language is like, ah, like that. He's like getting in your face. And the text says, how to not take things so personally. <laughs> and it was like, it was such a good Ted talk. It was like, yes. you know, people are just saying things and it's, it's, it goes to the very heart of what you're just talking about. When you were working with, with kids in the school environment, is that something that was a problem for them? They took everything really personally and that gets in oh, their emotions and gets in the way of their learning and whatnot. Yes, very much so. Everything from what was going on with their parents at home to if they were part of the right crowd, even to the, for these bright kids, it wasn't trendy or cool to be smart. Yeah, right. Or to be seen to be working hard. It was like, well, um, you know, and I'd say, well, work hard when you go home and nobody knows that you're doing it. If you, you know, if that, find another way, you know? Mm. Yeah, it's complicated when you're a kid, isn't it? They want so much to fit in. And I kept the whole time saying, we've got so many sheep. We don't need any sheep. We need shepherds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Clever shepherds, you know. And, and when they could start to see that they could be a leader. And even with us as business owners, I, I find it very interesting. If you just set yourself one challenge and see if people will follow. Mm. Well, you only need one other person to follow you and you're a leader, you know. Yep. And with kids, once they start to see that, they're like, oh, I can do more of this. And it builds their confidence. Very nice. Very nice. Well, and thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your world here on the front end of the podcast. People come on over to the Go All In show to learn more about others that have gone all in. So if you could, could you please share with us your biggest Go All In story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success? Yeah, so I thought today it would be good to chat about uh, moving to Australia um, because that was actually a pretty huge um, step for us as um, a family. Um, and from the other side of the world, a place that we didn't really know and, um, you know, and bringing kids and giving up everything. And so, yeah, I thought maybe we could talk about that today. Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, I, there's nothing, there's nothing more that I love than a, a good immigrant story. Um, this entire, I, I think Australians forget uh, that this entire nation was built on immigration. There is nobody here that belongs here other than the, the first Australians, of course. Uh, but everybody else, you know, is is an immigrant. And I've got that story in my family. And I've told several of those immigration stories um, here. And the modern day version ones are really not much different to uh, my grandparents migrating to Australia after World War Two. You know, and um, it's, it's a hard it's a hard thing. How, how old were your children when you decided to come? Seven and eight. So they were they were old. They were not little, little, but they're kind of old enough to remember back home. Yes, yes. And it was quite funny, actually, because the day that we told them, I remember it was Mother's Day and it was a Sunday and we were in England and we'd gone to one of these lovely old fashioned pubs that we liked and we were sitting having lunch and we thought they would be dead excited because we said that we'd be living near the beach and whatever. And, and they both burst into tears and they were oh. like, we will miss our friends and we'll miss our school. And what about my homework? And the things that they thought about were, and we had just recently done a big extension on our house in the UK. 
we bought an old house because that was all we could afford at the time and we spent about five years doing it up and we just finished it and then they were like but what about the trampoline in the garden and you know funny the things that, that affect kids so it was the worst mother's day ever actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah you don't realize uh how uh, how small a child's world is and how big it is. As you're saying that, I remembered something um, when when my son Cameron, he must have been about, he's a little bit smaller. I think he's about four or five. I'm not, I can't even remember if he's at school. I don't think he was at school. He must have been four. And I bought a new lounge and I put the old one on eBay and the new couch rocked up and uh, we, we put it in and it was all, it was all good. And the new lounge... Oh, sorry, the old lounge was sold and a fella came around to pick it up and I helped him carry it out to the back of his ute and I helped him put it into his ute and was like, see you later, trusty lounge, you're going to a new home. You know, there was nothing wrong with it. And Cameron was on the doorstep bawling his eyes out. Oh, yeah. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever, right? And I was like, what's the matter, mate? You know, what's wrong? And he's going, oh, the couch is going. And I said, it's all right, it's going to a new home. Little kids' yeah. worlds are so unbelievably small that must have been a, a difficult transition for you guys as a family when you finally came here was it um yes look we, we kind of worked it through we ended up bribing them and saying oh you can get a trampoline in australia <laughs> and um, they'd always wanted a dog but because both my husband and i worked um and i was working in the school at that time and he was working full-time uh, we said it's not fair to have a a pet because there's nobody at home during the day for it and that was always our way of getting around it and then we're like you can get a dog when we go to Australia <laughs> did you and then the, yes we did we did not initially because we were renting for the yep. first year we rented but as soon as we bought a house then yes we did and he's 12 now <laughs> oh wow mm. so so tell me how did you how did you make a decision to come to Australia was it somebody's job your job or your husband's or how did that happen yeah, well, actually, it's interesting because we'd always sort of thought about living maybe in um, overseas. My husband was brought up in Swaziland in Africa. His father's a geologist with the British government. And so he was used to traveling and he was used to sunshine and open space. And he found the UK very oppressive. Um, yeah. It didn't really agree with his personality and he likes the water and stuff. So for years, he kept saying, oh, let's move to Canada or let's move to New Zealand or Australia. And and I kept saying no, because I'm the youngest of six. We're a big, close family, mm. um, very close to my mum and dad. You know, I just had the babies. We were just done this extension on the house. I loved the job. And there was just lots where it just didn't feel right. Yeah. And anyway, and, and we also, we have to get points. And it's actually very hard to get into Australia unless you're sponsored. So um, it was just all, all felt like too much work. But anyway, um, both of my mum and dad died within a year of one another. And six months after my mum passed, my husband was offered a job in Australia. Right. And at that time, he was actually setting up his own business in the UK. And so he said, no, I'm not going to move. The time's not right. I want to get this business done. And I was like, sure, that's great. Because I still wanted to be near my siblings and, mm. um, and, and grieve and you know, d deal with what had gone on in the UK. Anyway, the boss that wanted him, the company that wanted him, just didn't leave him alone. They just kept phoning and phoning and phoning. Anyway, then they said, why don't you and your wife come over for a week and just have a look around, see the office, meet the staff, see where you'd be living, blah, blah, blah. And of course, I thought, oh, a holiday to Australia. I'm up for that. I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> so they flew us out business class. I've never traveled business class, and I haven't since. Um, and they put us up in an apartment right on the beach in Manly. 
and my husband got the ferry to work to the city every morning. Oh my God. For people that don't live in Sydney, uh, go and Google that and you'll see that there's just, there's no, there's no way you could resist Paradise. Absolute <laughs> paradise. What time of the year was it when you came? Was it summertime? Mm. It was, no, it was about October, mm. which was absolutely beautiful, actually, because it was more or less spring and yeah. not too hot. I think if I'd come <clears throat> in December, I would have said, I can't live here. It's too hot. It is hot. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the spring and the autumn, I absolutely love. Um, and so... And my husband loved the idea of the job. So we're, you know, he was still going to be a, a, a big fish in a smaller pond. And he was like, this is the opportunity I'd love. And, and then I thought, you know, well, the, the thing that always held me there was mum and dad. And they have gone now. So, you know, maybe it's time. And some of my brothers had moved to London. And I said to him, okay, let's go. We'll give it a couple of years and, and just see. And we told the kids and we said goodbye to everybody. And we, we kept our house. That was my anchor was we'd rent our house out so that if anything mm. went wrong, I'd still felt I had that tie back home. And of course, then all the family wanted to come and visit. And, uh, you know, everybody was then like, oh, we'll come and see you. We'll come and see you. And <laughs> you hadn't so, seen so much of your siblings back yeah. home. <laughs> yeah. Well, the problem is they come in this day for six weeks, which is lovely, but, but Time not. To go. Come on, get out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Well, you know, coming to Australia like that and picking up employment, you know, they say this is the lucky country. Was it the lucky country when you arrived? Yes. Yes. For yeah. us, it was just paradise. We, um, we got the kids into a beautiful school. It was a lovely community. We were really warmly welcomed. I wasn't working, so I was able to volunteer at the school and get involved in all those kind of mum things that you can only do when your kids are a certain age. Yeah. Um, I was able to go and look for a house for us to buy and get the dog and the trampoline. <laughs> it was a really, really happy time, like setting up a, a new life and the girls making new friends. And of course, by then, they all started to be online. And so they were sending emails to friends and, you know, we didn't have mobile phones and things to that extent, but they were still able to Skype and call. And um, so that part of it was was easy. Um, yeah. And, and we've never gone, <laughs> we've never gone back 12 years later. We're still, I mean, we go home to visit, yeah. but we would never go back and live because, you know, we're, we're Australians now, actually. We, you got your citizenship? But, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Um, about seven years ago. Very nice. You know, transitions and picking up and moving from another country, as I mentioned, I've told a few of those stories. A couple of the stories that I've told, it's been from escaping, um, escaping a, uh, a nasty regime somewhere and getting the hell out of Dodge type thing. And some other people um, that I've spoken to on this podcast before about this type of thing have gone because their partners have gone and they've gone kicking in screaming and reluctantly and whatnot. But you know what? The common theme and the common thread amongst all of it is when people come to Australia, they make the most out of it and they build a life for themselves and they create an opportunity for themselves. And it always plays out beautifully uh, and it, it always seems to have a happy ending there was one story that i told uh, that, I, that i remember he uh he came to australia couldn't speak english at all um but he was an engineer and so he picked up a job relatively easily in the in the early 1970s um doing engineering work and he went to school at night time learning the language 
Um, finally got to learn how to speak a bit of English, then progressed in his career, opened his own businesses. And then, you know, he ended up being like a, a counselor in regional Australia and contributing back to society. And it's a really great, it's a really great story of um, that period of Australian history when people could come to Australia with no English skills and go and do all those things. But it all still exists today. And there's thousands of immigrants that come to Australia every day and, and contribute to our society and do a, a, a wonderful thing like that. What would you say, Anne, to somebody that was on the cusp of doing something like that, a major life-changing decision, but they were worried? They had that anchor back at home, but they're like, I'm not sure what I can do. Should I do this? Should I not do this? You know, you're paralyzed by the analysis of it all. What would you say to someone that was thinking about that? Yeah, look, we don't have a crystal ball, do we? Not for anything in life. You even getting on the bus and going to work in the morning, you don't know if you're going to be in a car crash or something. You, you know, you just we, you just have to have faith. And and I, I always listen to my gut instinct. Like in the early days when we talked about moving up, you know, I would get this kind of like oh, real dread. And I kind of knew it wasn't right, whereas by the time we made the decision to come, I still had that feeling in my tummy, but it was more excitement. Right. Um, but it was funny you mentioning people coming and having to learn the language, because I think one of the reasons that moving to Australia was so easy for us was um, we'd actually lived in Spain for three years. And that was a harder transition for me because I didn't speak the language. Yeah, I bet. You drive on the other side of the road. Mm. They go out for dinner at 10 p.m. <laughs> you know, they sleep all through the middle of the day. Um, and I had my first baby over there too. And I remember going for like antenatal classes and, you know, the vocabulary around pregnancy and birth isn't in the normal dictionary. <laughs> and so I had no idea what she was telling us. And so the, there was a lot of fear and uncertainty um, at that point. Um, whereas... Coming to Australia felt very familiar. To me, it was like an Americanized Britain. Mm. Um, and so it made the transition easier. But when you do these things, you can't but grow. You grow as a person um, because when you overcome, the challenge at the time is terrible, but when you overcome it, you're like so proud of yourself. Mm. You're like, man, I achieved that. I managed that. And what it does, is build your belief in yourself and your confidence to be able to think well if I did that I can do this you know even the different things I've done gave me the confidence to say well I'll start my own business and see and I think as long as you can let go of the outcome it's a bit like you said about the guy with the fingers pointed to his forehead and it's all about him and it has to be a certain way and if you can let go of the outcome and just say I'm going to go with the flow here. And if it's meant to be, it'll, it'll go with ease. And if it's not, it'll be a struggle. And then I'll have to make another decision. I love it. I love it. You know, that's actually one of the modules in my masterclass. It's called process over outcome. So, you know, and the pretense behind it is you set the goal for yourself and you, and then you leave it alone. And then you concentrate on what it is that you do on a day-to-day -day basis on an hour to hour basis, really to achieve what it is that you want. Cause if you spend too much time focusing on, those goals you're spending no time on moving towards that goal um the dichotomy of those things so I, I love that i love that a lot let's talk about your business a little bit because you said that you were a stay-at-home mum for as long as you could be and then you decided that uh it's time to actually go and do something tell us about that transition because that seems like a um maybe even a bigger goal in story right there 
Yeah, it probably was actually because that was all about me. And, and it, I suppose moving to Australia, I could hide behind my husband and his business and I had the family. And whereas putting myself out there as a business owner was very much, if this fails, I'm a failure. You know, or if I don't understand this, then it's, I'm thick. Or if I can't... Did you ever go the other way, Anne? Did you ever say, oh, if this wins, I'm going to be a winner? Or did you just say always on the negative <laughs> oh, side yes, of the ledger? Yes, yes, but I think it was more, it was more up front and I couldn't hide behind anybody else. Mm. Um, you know, I had belief in my coaching because I'd had experience and I knew I could shift people's mindsets and get them to where they wanted to be. Um, it was just the whole running my own business thing. And actually, one of the biggest challenges was my family because they loved it that I was at home doing the cooking and the cleaning and walking the dog and helping <laughs> with homework. And, you know, they didn't have to worry about anything other than what they wanted to do. And so, and really it came around the time of menopause and I hit 50 and my husband was still traveling and the kids were becoming independent. And I felt really lost actually. And, and I hit a spell of being quite lonely um, lonely in my own head, you know, I mean, I had lots mm. of people still around me, but I just felt, am I the only woman going through this? It feels that, you know, I'm 50 and I'm soon be retiring and I haven't even started. It mm. was, it was like life's going to be over before I've had a go. Yep. And so I actually went to see it because I know the benefits of coaching and we just can't coach ourselves. It's, you know, everybody deserves somebody to to help them see a clear path. And she said to me, just start very small. Um, why don't you work from home, invite one or two ladies to come and see if you can help them through the problems, get your material together from previously, just like you were talking about building your course. Yep. And that's what I did. And then, and I absolutely loved it. And what I discovered on the way was that there were so many women who felt the same. And so actually it was so beneficial for me because it made me realize I wasn't alone in this. And that if I could sort it out for myself, then I could help all these other women sort it out as well. Mm -hmm. And the business grew organically through that because then I was putting things on Facebook or the technology is a whole nother goal in, but anyway... <laughs> I'll leave that for another day. That was a, a huge challenge. Um, the whole technology thing, because I have, wasn't used to that. But each stage, I just thought, oh, I'll try something else and try something else and, and see it almost as just a learning experience and a project. Um, and then I, when I started to make enough money that I could put back into the business to, to grow those platforms and marketing and get a VA team and whatever um, other women started to follow me who had a business or wanted to set up a business. And so that's why now, um, I mean, my, mar my market is women, but it's a lot of women that are either in corporate that want to step up into leadership roles or who are running their own business or who want to start their own business. It's all around the mindset though and what holds us back. It's easy, you know, it's a really, it's a great story. And thank you for sharing that with us and the audience. It's really easy to, to get stuck in your own head. Like you say, you're feeling a little bit lonely about those things. And it was all, you know, it was all getting a little bit much for you. But how did you break out of that? That's the thing that I'm interested in. Like, was that, did you put your hand up and ask for some help? Or did you go and see somebody? Or did you talk to some friends? How, how did you get yourself through that tricky time in your life? Oh, I knew it was wrong because I just kept crying all the time. <laughs> you were upset? Yeah, I just couldn't get, I just felt, oh, like empty. Oh, yeah, just well. empty, you know, and it was like, oh, what do I, 
And I was embarrassed to tell friends, to be honest. Um, I had moaned and cried at my husband for so long. Like he was a bit sick of it and didn't really know how to help me because, you know, those closest to us can. And then I was blaming him for everything, why I was in the position I was in, which was a terrible behavior and something that I had to rectify. Um, But I went to see a coach and I spoke it through with her and she helped me put together a plan. And then another friend said to me, um, why don't you start a meetup group? And she said that way you can attract other women who are feeling like this. And I called it self-empowerment because it was about us stepping up and owning our own response, taking responsibility for our own issues, which I think is huge for all individuals because it's easy for us to blame the past teachers, government partners, you know, and at the end of the day, the outcomes we have are based on our thinking and our mindset. And and that's the, the most challenging lesson, I think, is when you have to hold your hand up and say, oh my God, it's all my fault. And it's, that's a horrible realisation. I've got to grow up now. <laughs> I have to take um, responsibility. You know, so... Yeah, yeah, and we don't want to do that, do we? Because it's it's icky, it's yucky, it's horrible. Um, and so I started this meetup, and I just um, advertised it, and I had sixty ladies sign up in the first week. Wow! So I knew there was a, a need, and that really boosted my confidence because then I went in from victim and poor me to being, you know, a superwoman. I'm going to be the one that can really. Um, I had my purpose. That was, that's what it was. And then from having that purpose, I could see a vision of what I would do. And then the coach helped me put in place the actions. And and really, it didn't take very long. Once I made that decision, you know, everything, I believe, starts with a decision. And once I shifted it from, I don't know what the heck I'm doing, to this is what I'm doing. It was as simple as that. Mm. I was off. What, what did it feel like? Can you remember? What's it feel like to find your purpose? Because I know there's a lot of people that listen to this and watch this show that uh, they, and the reason I know that is because I get the feedback all the time. They say to me, Oh, I'm, I'm right on the edge of going all in. What should I do? Or I'm considering this or thinking about starting that. And it's like, you know what, man, just, just do it. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. Just, just do yeah. it. There's really not much else I can say because once you get going, people think that it's that you need momentum to get started and you need motivation to get started, but you don't need momentum or motivation to get started because it's the start that stops most people. What you need to do is to start. And when you start your motivation and your momentum will show up. And when, when you start to get that momentum, it's sort of like, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. And it sounds like you went from playing with this idea to having 60 people in a meetup group. And all of a sudden you've had to step into that leadership role and you found your purpose. What did that feel like? Yeah. Oh, it was great. I was the centre of attention and I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look, you know, it's funny because I mentioned about feeling upset and lonely and sad and, and, and your body tells you that, you know, you feel a bit depressed or you have no energy or whatever. And I went from that to literally feeling like superwoman. I was buzzing about, I mean, I was getting the housework done so fast because I wanted to get my messages out, write these emails, write these blogs. I had so much to share I was digging through all my old notes, all my NLP stuff. I was putting together videos and learning how to do videos. And, you know, I just became a bit like a whirlwind. And and the only way I can describe it is I felt fully alive. Mm, Beautiful, beautiful. And what about your family? Did they notice your your husband and and your daughters? Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, they did. And and actually, it was funny because initially they were like, oh, you don't need to do this. And, you know, because financially we were... 
And I said, I do. I need to do it for me. I need to have something that I feel is worthwhile. And, mm. and you know, because as a mother, you, you know, you, you give, you nurture, you care. And then suddenly when that's not needed anymore, you've still got all those emotions. It's like, well, where, where do I put all this effort and energy into now? Um, and, and a lot of that is self-care too. And it became like, oh, all right, I'm going to start looking after my own mental health and help other women do the same. Um, and I think if you can listen to your body, um, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you're looking forward to what it is that you're going to do and, and does your body feel light and, and energetic or is it all a bit of a drag? Um, and nothing changes overnight. I mean, this is my fourth year in business now. And the first two years, you're right, it was almost like a hobby. And I think that was the fear of failure in that like oh well if I don't go all in then if it doesn't work it can be oh well I never really tried so that's okay whereas mm. if I start having to you know pay taxes and have <laughs> overheads and have staff and that's a different ball game altogether and then I'm, it's really a responsibility um, but it was the best decision I ever made for my family because I'm a happier wife I'm more independent interdependent with my husband. I mean, I think I was really quite an emotional drain on him um, and a role model for my girls as well because they were sort of like, oh God, mum's on fire now. And, um, yeah. I, I got I to gotta ask a, a blindingly obvious question. And um, sometimes when I, when I think of these questions um, in these interviews that I do with people, um, I reflect on uh, the other interviews that I've done. And you, you mentioned right at the top of the show that you work predominantly with women and that's what you like to do, um, obviously, because you're a woman and that's your specialty and that's what you know. Um, but why don't you work with guys as well? Uh, look, it really came out of a place of it being menopausal, whereas where I started. And um, I know that, they, you know, there probably is a male menopause. Um, but for me, it was that whole hormonal feminine thing. And I've got two daughters. Um, and I just want, I just started with that group because it was when got a new. And then when I started to market my company and everyone was talking about, oh, who's your target market and who's your niche and who's your, you know, and so that, that played a part in it too, to be honest. Um, I have had a few men approach me and I have coached them. Mm -hmm. I've just said to them, look, my terminology is often feminine because really it's about the energy that you bring to something and I, I talk about the the art of feminine leadership and through that I mean the feminine energy you can get some some very nurturing men and you can get some very um I don't know if butch is the right word to use or, or masculine masculine women mm -hmm. um, and so it, it depends on and some some men have that naturally and they don't like to be in a workforce that's, you know, so uh, everybody walks around wearing a mask and not being real and not, you know, um, so it's, it's more that, but obviously I attract more women because my marketing is to women now. Yeah, very nice, very nice. Uh, good, good, good diplomatic answer there. So if there's some men out there listening and they think they connect with you, they can reach out and uh, there's, Absolutely. A, there's an opportunity there. They're still, you're not closing the door yeah. on that one. And if I, if I met you, if I had have met you 18 months ago, how would you have been different than you are today? Oh, that's a really good question because 18 months ago, I was nowhere near where I am now. And it just shows you how quickly things can change. Um, because I've been working from home and I've been working solo for a long time, 
um, I hadn't done any in-person networking. Mm. And last year I joined a networking group and it was great because it got me out of the house in the morning. I would meet other business owners. And what I realized was that everybody was struggling. And that was a light bulb moment for me because it was, everybody was saying, oh yeah, two steps forward, one step back. Like everybody think, oh, you own your own business and you've got a nice house. You must be doing fabulous. That's an assumption, you know? Um, and it, this year has been fabulous, but prior to this, it was very slow. And, and I spent a lot of time on my own other than one-on-one -on -one with clients or, or group work. Um, but the, the meeting other business owners like yourself um, has been phenomenal for me to feel supported, connected. Um, I've had lots of referrals. I've referred other people to people. Uh, and just to know that there's a community out there and so many business owners in Australia that really are the backbone of Australia. Mm. Um, and all, you know, not all multimillionaires, all doing their best to make a difference in their own small way. Mm. Um, that's been huge for me this year. Excellent. Excellent. And, and tell me about this. 20, this year, 2020, that maybe I want to just press the backspace button on and just, I don't know, just delete that off the calendar. How, how has that treated you with this, all the crazy lockdown pandemic and all that stuff? Is, is your business being affected or is it tracking along nicely? Are you growing? What's the trajectory look like for you? It has really affected my business. This is the best year I've had. Affected it in a good way. Unbelievably so. Everybody I speak to is like, oh, things are slowed and things are, it's been phenomenal. Do you think that's um, the pandemic or is that just the timing in your business that, you know, I'm not sure. It, well, it's interesting because I kept saying to my husband, I don't know why I, it's, why is it all of a sudden, all of a sudden? And he said, but you've been planting seeds for three years, for years you, know, yeah. are, you know, so it's probably maybe a bit of both, mm. but I think in uncertain times, people are reaching out. Right. Um, I had actually started to do some work with women in corporates about stepping up into leadership roles and they had teams. And so I had actually been on holiday overseas when the pandemic uh, outbreak happened and we were suddenly told you have to get back. And so I came back through empty airports to find all these businesses I'd been working with, all the doors closed and so I just sent out an email to the woman that I was working with and just said, you know, what's happened? Where's everybody going? What, you know, mm. and then I offered and they were struggling. They said, how do we manage our teams remotely? How do we keep on top of this? What if people are having a nap during the day and not working properly? And, you know, there was a lot of, because they, they, you normally they, you can see someone's at the desk and you can see whether they're, they're napping or not working or yeah, being productive. And I said, look, why don't I do some free Zoom training on how to adapt to working from home? And I'll do some work with you one-on-one on, one on how to manage this. And I said, you do not need to worry because I know having worked from home, you will get much more out of people than you ever did before. Yeah. They're not commuting. They're not hanging around the coffee machine chatting. Um, if they do have a nap during the day, let that be fine. They probably then will do some work at 9 p.m. when the kids have gone to bed. or, And so that just exploded. That really took off. And then I think just other marketing, um, I, I was just getting, usually when I meet someone, they think, oh yeah, I would really like to work with you. Mm -hmm. But this year I'm getting calls out the blue. Wow. People on my website out the blue. And I haven't had that in the past. 
Very so nice. That's been, it's been very nice, actually. Yeah, it's wonderful. See, the lucky country, right? You've been here for oh, a dozen years yeah. and you, your business is pumping. Life is good. Family is good. It just doesn't get any better than that. You know, it's, you know some, some people would say that's living the dream. That's where it is. What does the next 18 months look like for you? Do you look that far down the road or do you look further down the road? What, what are you expecting is going to happen with your business and the state of what's happening for you? Yeah, look, I'm not one of these people that wants to have a huge, big conglomerate, multi-million. I'm all about lifestyle. Mm. Um, and so I limit how many clients I have in a week because I also really want to serve the people that work with me. I still want to have time for my family um, and to do, you know, go to the beach at the weekend or have lovely walks or... Um, so if it just continues to, to tick along as it's doing, maybe I've got room for a bit more growth. Um, as long as we're all healthy, like I love to cycle and um, you know, go out and walk the dog and, and get back with friends would be lovely, seeing more of friends now with things uh, opening up again. Um, I really don't want for much. And I, I think there's a lot to be said for reaching a stage in life where you say, you know what, I'm very blessed. Mm -hmm. This is good. Um, one of my mottos is women supporting women. So the more I have, the more I can give. And my, through my business, I support the local women's shelter. Um, so, yeah, if, if, as things get bigger, then, then they'll benefit more. Very nice, very nice. Nice place to be in life and in business where things are, are really satisfying and you do have your purpose there and you're, you're tracking along nicely. It's a beautiful thing. Well, and it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Go All In podcast for the better part of 45 minutes here. Really appreciate you sharing a, a little bit of your world and dropping some value bombs in there for the audience as well. I know that there was uh, some great lessons to be learned in there. I can't let you leave the Go All In podcast without putting you in the Go All In podcast hot seat couple of oh. quick random questions. I, oh. I noted right at the top of the show there that you said that you'd travel the world and you lived in a bunch of different places. What's your, in this crazy time of lockdowns and no travel, help me dream a little bit. Where's your favorite holiday destination to travel to? Uh, Africa. Really? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I spent six months in Zimbabwe and I went to Victoria Falls. Um, my, I, I've been to Zambia. My niece actually owns a safari park, a five-star safari park in Zambia. Wow. Um, so we've been out there as well. I love being among the wild animals, um, nature. Um, and, and the people in Africa, even though they're poor, they're just so joyful. They sing and they dance and they're beautiful and generous. And yeah, so yeah, I've got heart for Africa. Nice. Sounds beautiful. Fantastic. Tell me, what's a, uh, what's a skill that you've not yet mastered? Oh, my goodness. There's so many. <laughs> uh, Facebook advertising might be one of them. <laughs> oh, come on. There's about 5,000 experts out there on Facebook oh, right now that can help you. Oh, my goodness. I know. I still can't. I, I, yeah. There's a difference between being able to do it and actually getting customers through being able to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know how to do it. It just doesn't. It just doesn't work for me in getting customers. Oh, that's um, funny. I think you're not alone there in that when it comes to social media uh, advertising. That's for yeah. sure. Nice yeah. one. That's right. Uh, and last one in the little hot seat. Uh, quick quiz. What's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? Best piece of business advice: a daily consistent action. Love it. Yeah. Just do something every day, no matter how small. Mm -hmm. so that, as you said earlier, you're just building momentum. Yeah. Um, and some days that might just be reading 
something. It might be writing a blog. It might be talking to one client. It doesn't always have to be marketing, but just something around your business. One of the really uh, interesting dichotomies of being an entrepreneur and working for yourself and a business owner is that one day is a really long time. And if you're not working on a particular project or you don't have a client today and there's no meetings, if I've got like a free day and I make sure I have a gap in my calendar frequently to do that so I can do the things that I need to do, that's a lot of time. And, you know, just reading one book or one article or one thing, it's incredible how that, uh, how that, the result of that is cumulative. It really does grow. So that is great, great business advice. We, we need to make a hashtag around that or something like that. And yeah. I'll help you with your social media there. That, that yeah. might work. Be pretty cool. Well, and if people are listening in and they're watching it, what's the best way to connect with you if they want to find out more about you and your business, your website? Obviously, you mentioned that before. Maybe you could just mention that again and some, some other ways to connect with you. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, so it's just annemcewen.com, A-N-N-E-M-C-K-E-O-W-N. Uh, that's my website. And 2Empower is uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, all the other platforms, and all the links are on the website. Uh, also, I, I offer um, two freebies that your um, listeners might be interested. One is um, a half-hour clarity call. So if they want to have a conversation with me, to, if, you're, if you're feeling a bit stuck or a bit lost, and I um, see how to move forward, and if I can't help you, I'll put you in touch with someone that can. And the other thing is that I have a, an ebook on my website, which has got questions and a bit of my story and examples and how to shift your mind some NLP techniques and that's for free you can download that too awesome and if you're uh, listening to this just take a little peek at your phone and all of the links to Anne's uh, socials her website the book and the, and that call are right there so you don't have to go poking around in Google for it and if you're watching this on YouTube just scroll on down and all of the links are right there in the show notes as well all right, Anne, thanks again for coming on the Goalin Podcast. been an absolute pleasure to do this one with you. It's been a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to doing some more networking and having some coffees with you face-to-face. Before yeah. I let you leave this show, have you got some parting wisdom for us? What's your parting shot for the day? Believe in yourself. You know, that you're unique. Don't be a sheep, be a shepherd. There's nobody else like you. Just, just go and be you and enjoy being you. I spent too much time worrying about trying to be like everybody else. Just be you. I love it. Just do you. Thank you so much, Anne, for coming on the show. We look forward to speaking with you soon. It's bye for now. Thank you. Bye. Well, there you have it, folks. If you want to connect with Anne, just take a little peek at your phone and all of the links to her website and her socials are right there. And if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll on down and all of the details are right there in the show notes as well. Now, if you've got a message or some feedback for the show, you can reach out via the GoAllIn socials or you can send me an email at any time. Just visit goallin.com.au to find out some more. And if you're interested in learning more about the masterclass, just visit goallin.com.au forward slash masterclass. Well, that wraps it up for the show today. So whatever it is that you're working on, whatever you're doing, get busy, get to it and go all in. I'll see you next time. Why don't we say it's too late for us now Why do we stay When I blame you for the things that weigh me down
Girl, you're texting when I look away. 